0: Innovation Rockstars. Rockstars. Innovation Rockstars. Today with Didier Boulet, founder of the Thales Design Center.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Innovation Rockstar interviews. My name is Chris Mürod, and I'm pleased to welcome Didier Boulet from Thales today. Didier helps companies innovate and create new ventures. Uh, He is a thought leader in developing innovative products, services and platforms and he has developed such opportunities for Thales by disseminating design thinking in the organization. Uh, He's in charge of the Thales Design Centers, and his role is to actively engage the Thales innovation communities with human-centered design, business model innovation, as well as product, service, and organization design. And more recently, he has been appointed as the leader of the Thales User Experience Design Transformation. Didier, I'm really excited to have you with me today. Thanks for joining.
2: Hello, and thank you for having me.
1: Okay, so we start with a short 60-second introduction sprint about you, your career Andrew your role at uh, The stage is yours for the next 60
2: seconds. Let's go. So basically, I've been working in Thales for 20 years. Um, I held multiple positions during this time. Um, I started in the business, then I moved to innovation, research. I've been part of the technical directorate of the company. Um, but of course, the most important part, um, especially for me, uh, of that journey has been the last 10 years, um, during which I created... Um, the design center we are going to discuss um, today, uh, which is now a network. It's kind of a design thinking organization in the company. And fi- finally, for three years now, um, I have the pleasure and privilege to lead um, a more profound design transformation of the company and being appointed um, for that as the first chief design officer.
1: Oh wow, that was in time. Thanks much. Okay, now next, here are three sentence starters for you. And I would like you to complete the sentences. Number one, design thinking is
2: not... It's not just about creative (laughs) workshops.
1: All right. Number two, Thales
2: is best known for... For its advanced high-tech systems and sensors.
1: And lastly, number three, uh, one of the most significant Technological disruptions in the next few years will be
2: ah will be um, quantum sensing.
1: Quantum sensing. Wow, great one. Okay, good. Now that we have clarified uh, what design thinking is not, can you can you please describe what design thinking actually is?
2: So you can look at design thinking as uh, uh, first of all, it's an innovation framework. It's an innovation framework that. Um, uh, leverages on, on the creative process uh, that has been perfected over the years by by designers or more generally creative professionals. It is uh, bi-constructural multidisciplinary, which means that um, any person can participate. There are a load of examples of different professions using design thinking, um, but also that uh, within a project so you're going to tackle um, all the dimensions of the problem space, and that's the famous Venn diagram, feasibility, viability, and 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 so forth. And um, last, on on the process side, I think what characterised you know the way you do um, a design thinking project, it's this um, rotation of. Divergence, divergent and convergent um, uh, cycles. So you can think problem-finding and problem-solving, um, and, and you move from one mode to, um, to another. That would be, I would say, in a nutshell, my kind of definition of design thinking. But
1: that's a great and concise definition. Now, you know, Didier, when people think of large multinational corporations, they often coin terms like processes, compliance, governance, workers council, reorganization, and so on. And I would imagine that terms like design thinking probably won't generate, you know, too much enthusiasm at first. So why don't you tell us a bit about your journey to implementing design thinking at Thales? And, And maybe let's start at the very beginning and talk about the why for a moment. So, so why introducing design thinking for Thales?
2: The the why pushes back um more than ten years ago. Um uh organized a learning expedition in the Silicon Valley and and, and visiting Stanford and at, at the time it was all about design thinking in, in, in that area of the of the world. So it was on the program. And out of that um they came back and we signed an, a collaboration agreement with the D school at at Stanford. So that gave us the first experience with design thinking with probably the best uh, the best you can find. And then to make the design center happen, um, it was more of a collision. It, it's um, a company one and a personal one. A company, I think 10 years ago, um, you could see a lot of signals in the company that um, we needed to introduce different type of innovation approach um, it was all about tech and technology driven innovation and you could see business model you could see user centered approach uh, coming in, in in a lot of different domains and so I think the company was ripe uh, to be introduced by a, a new uh, a, a new approach and a personal one um, uh, I was leaving the technical directorate around 2012 and um, my, I pitched DHR, the and they asked me what I wanted to do after that. And I said my dream job now would be to create a design center to take what we learned from Stanford and uh, internalize the concept in the company. And I they, basically they let me do it basically. So.
1: So they let you do it. So you know, did did they endorse the initiative, or or did you also have you know some some you know bigger concerns um, being addressed? And if so, what what were the cons? What was you know the concern about introducing that?
2: Yes, it was endorsed, and by you know one person took the risk. It was the general manager of Thales University at the time. Uh, his name was Alain. Is still Alain Omedour. um and he took the risk and he said, okay, we try for one year and we show it works. If it works, we continue. If it doesn't work, um, we've learned. So that that's how we, we did it. And our main concern at the beginning um, of the adventure was really about proving the value. Uh, it's always like that. You need to prove it works and you need to, to prove it to bring value to the business. So that was number one concern, prove it works in the first year. Um, the second one, we, we decided that... Um, we would establish the business model of the design center as an agency, meaning that we would charge for the services we would deliver, innovation services we would deliver to uh, the different entities of the, of the group. Um, and that would also be a, um very resilient sustainable business model uh, because you don't depend on money given to you by by the organization you you generate and if it works you get projects and mandates it doesn't work uh, you are out of business and then you do something else so that was the second uh, concern and and the third one um we had a pretty good idea um with with the experience of Stanford that we wanted to do uh, i would say the real design thinking so you do it uh, you do the projects you do the full fledged design thinking projects, not you know, creative workshops. What people confuse for design thinking is creative facilitation and workshops. We didn't want that that to be the only thing we would do. But within projects we do workshops, but design thinking is about the project. So and, and to do that we wanted to remain quite independent. We feared that being acquired, absorbed by other teams would jeopardize, you know, that integrity. So that were the three big concerns we, we, we had when we started.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And, you know, we we have different things. And, you know, one year is actually not, you know, one year is long and also not long at the same time, right? Because, uh, you know, to start this and to, you know, produce first results is actually, I could imagine, quite challenging. So so how did that go, you know, after you started? What was kind of the next steps towards proving that this works in a one-year horizon or one-year time horizon?
2: yes there is only good one good way to show it works is is to show projects and outcomes so um the, f- the first year was quite intense we we spent the first few months um you know, you work on your content, on your pitch. You go and see a lot of people in in, in a company. company is big, so you can spend quite some time doing that. Um, I work with a design intern to build up the identity of the design center and, and um, some branding and stuff like that. Um, and then for the second part of the year, we started to have our first workshops and then projects and then trainings. And um, after one year, we had already, you know, some some good outcomes to show, you know, um, and, and confirm that, you know, the approach is working and is bringing value.
1: Okay, now, you know, let, let's get real, um, you know, in that year and also after that one year, what what was kind of the impact on innovation at Thales in this short time frame?
2: We basically um, uh, generated um, a, a lot of attention uh, from, especially from the marketing and, and the service organization. So we receive uh, quite a lot of demand from uh, from these guys, uh, and and the big impact I think is is which we didn't anticipate it, is that. It was not just about one design center. We had a lot of innovation teams uh, coming to that came to us and 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 asked, can we use the same concept for a team? And do you train us? Do you can we use the same name, the design center? And so, um, within a year, we had already uh, a number two and number three design centers uh, in discussion. And and after three years, we had five. And that was very unexpected. We wanted one, and and suddenly we built in. Uh, innovation franchise in the company for uh, all the practitioners of design thinking.
1: Innovation franchise system is a great term, uh, that you just coined. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what happened afterwards? I mean, okay. First you were successful. Then you started to build more and more design centers. And what was kind of your role into that? Did you actually go and build, you know, these things? Did you, you know, h- hand some licenses to other people who are actually in charge of doing that? So how, how did you expand and scale the concept to possibly, you know, the entire
2: world? We At the beginning, the ambition, you know, we were surprised. So we built like really a franchise. We, we said, OK, this is the package. You have the branding, the methods. We, this is how to use them. We, we train you a little bit. And then you're basically on your own. And then we stay somehow connected. The first few years, first five years, it was really working like that. Then when we started to it seven, eight design centers, and the last few years, we, we added five more. So today there are 13 uh, design centers. You know, this is basically too big not to try to do more, uh, with, with that. For the last three years, we really tried to operate as a design center network, uh, sharing resources and, and really have retools and, and, and be connected, uh, delivering projects all together. And this is working great. And so now we speak more about design center network, um, rather than franchise or, you know, uh, one design center in, in, in particular.
1: And how, how can you, you know, possibly, make sure that the different design centers that are operating now um, maybe also independently but obviously also working together how can you make sure that they don't do the same stuff over and over again is there some sort of you know higher level i don't know portfolio management or consolidation of activities um, that basically prevent you from doing the same in different design centers
2: so Thales is very diverse. So the, the probability we do the same thing uh, is very, 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 very small uh, because we work with different countries, uh, different units. So I think that's not a big risk. Um, if you speak about you know, creating same material or stuff like that. So everything we do um, um, is completely shared um, in you know common repository. We've been the first user of Microsoft Teams in the company. And before that, we used some shadow IT to make sure that we have access to the same content. Um, Two years ago, uh, we launched a design system for design centers. so We have one place where you can find the methods, description of how we organize the different spaces, and and also um, describe um, in more details what we call the value proposition, so the different services and format we support. And we classify them into, there is a primary value proposition, if you want, which is the fundamentals, design thinking, service design. Every design center needs to be able to deliver that. And then we have a secondary level, which is um, um, specialized because you need special craft and skills. Uh, strategic for siting would be one of them, design fiction, industrial design. Um, and so that's a specialization of some of them. And then we have an incubation, zone where one or two design centers are really venturing, trying something really new. Uh, and if it's successful, then we can try then to scale it um, in, in, in a network. So in organizing stuff like that, um, on one hand, we avoid that uh, you know, uh, 2DC do, like you say the same thing without knowing it. So we know what we do, and we encourage people to try different things, new things, um, in that sense.
1: Let, let's dive deeper just for a moment to the capabilities required uh, you just mentioned uh, wh- what is what is what exactly is design fiction
2: ah, design fiction so design fiction is uh, uh, especially if like me during your teenager year uh, you have read uh, you know uh, Asimov and uh, all these uh, great science fiction writers um, design fiction is a way to boost innovation imagination and it relies on a theory that um, says that what people think of science fiction like a few decades ago, it, it tends to become a reality today or in the near future. And so you go in the past um, to basically understand what's coming to happen right now. And so you dig into uh, uh, science fiction books, manga, comics, movies, um, and you try to find a, a pattern and you try to find inspiration insights in there. And then you use that as input for your maybe your design thinking projects or, you know, any kind of innovation projects that you have.
1: How could I possibly imagine such a design fiction process happening? I mean, is there a research phase saying, okay, no, no, you know, guys, uh, please now have a look at five mangas and 10 different, you know, uh, I don't know, scientific or sci-fi or futuristic, uh, movies and then, you know, watch them, come back and then tell me your ideas or how could it possibly work?
2: Yeah, so there is a, a phase of research where the, the cool thing you need to go back in books and, 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 uh, and, and movie. But usually in your teams, you have people that have already extensive uh, either collection of manga, comics, or are passionate about these things. Uh, you need to have an intent. It's like any design thinking project. You don't do for everything. So, for example, the one recent project was about, uh, how to design for AI and explore the relationship between humans and and future AI. And this is a perfect field for design fiction because the relationship between the machine, the intelligent machine and humans has been explored for decades uh, in movies. So we went in there and tried to find uh, patterns and and, and, and the different type of relationship between the human and, and AI and, and use that as Core material in our design for AI um, um, methodology of, of, of framework, meaning that when we do a design thinking projects with AI and we want to bring new inspiration or we want to bring you know element of language about AI and so forth, we can use this design thinking content that we created through the design uh, sorry design fiction content. Um, uh, on on the table, and usually it really opens the mind and boosts um, uh, creativity uh, in the process.
1: Okay, I think I got it. And then now you also said you know strategic foresight is or will be added to your toolbox of capabilities. How does you know strategic foresight and design fiction now work together?
2: Uh, today, in our practice, the design fiction or strategy foresight don't work together. There have different ways to basically um, uh, do the same thing, which is maybe anticipate the future or predict, um, not predict the future, but predict the futures that are there. Um, strategic foresight um, probably appeal to us even more than the design fiction because it brings... Um, a, a very nice extension to our user-centered innovation approach and so forth with something that is very structured to establish you know, a, a landscape, um, signals, trends, and give us not one, but multiple futures, the plausible ones, the probable ones, the desirable ones, and, and so forth. And the and magical trick with Strategic Foresight for when we engage with our strategic team is that from the start we established that there is not only one official future, there are multiple and we should think differently uh, if we are in, in this one or this one or this one. And, and, and the concept and, and the, the variation in the strategy we should have depending on what is the most likely futures to happen and so forth. And you differentiate strongly the, the, the concept and the ideation, um, with, with this framework. So it, for me, it's really established a very solid, um, framework landscape with more data, more probability. And then we can play design thinking in there and, and go back to, you know, our user centered approach. So the two are very, very complementary.
1: Okay. Got it. Yeah. Makes total sense. So you're basically stacking up tools, you know, in your framework and by that increasing capabilities, giving more possibilities uh, and and capabilities as mentioned to the design centers and to the entire network. So it makes total sense. Uh, Can you share some of the maybe non-confidential projects that design centers have been working on recently? I mean, you just mentioned one, which was, you know, how to um, work with AI, but is there anything that you can share in addition?
2: Yes, sure. Um, Just to say, when I say we have an obsession for design thinking projects, up to today, we have completed 80 uh, design thinking projects. So these are usually projects of uh, three, six months um, to up to a year. That's probably uh, the the track record we are the most uh, proud of. A lot of them, like you say, are um, probably more confidential given our line of work now a few of them uh, just to give a flavor of what we are working on um for example we work uh, two two years ago on uh, with the special forces um in in France and we co-design a new type of drone. Um like typically their problem today is when they leave you know the headquarter to go to a to a mission, they need to decide if they take the flying drone, the swimming drone, and each of them is a different equipment and they cannot carry so much. And so they say it would be great if we had something that would be uh, completely reconfigurable, so you remove the wheel, you put wings, and boom it 's flying. so they design a product like like that, uh, the final product is is absolutely fantastic um, so this is a kind of stuff, but all started with you know the um, uh, field trips, uh, interviews, uh, observation on the field, following them, and working with them. so that was very rich. Another type um, uh, would be, for example, a new luggage scanning system for airports um, that is uh, poised to reinvent the experience for passengers when you have the security scanning. Um, So that was... um, Also blending uh, uh, core technology, but also the passenger journey, uh, the airport ecosystem, which is complex. So um, we have a lot of um, projects like this around airport security, passenger journey. Um, And maybe a last one, uh, like we we work on digital twin and industry uh, uh, 4.0 problems, opportunities in the space industry. Um, where did, once the satellite is in space, uh, it's quite difficult to touch it so or to reconfigure it and, and so forth. So we develop a lot of technology around that. Um, and, and again, the relationship between the operator and, 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 and how to work uh, with these um, uh, digital twins uh, is, a, is a very interesting uh, uh, topic. And we work on these things using the design thinking approach.
1: So that's really some exciting project examples and also technology examples. Thanks for, uh, giving the insight into that. Now let's talk a bit of the future of, you know, design centers and the design center network as a whole. So in your opinion, what's next for the design centers and for the, for the design center networks?
2: So, like I said, uh, for three years now, we are, you know, um, pushing for a, a more global design uh, revolution in the company. Not only the innovation side of things with design thinking, but more transverse design. And um, in there, um, we're looking to establish what we call this design continuum so that we make sure that what is you know acquired in terms of insight and 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 um, uh, design uh, during the innovation phases is not lost when you go to the engineering uh, side of things and so establishing this continuum plugging the different design disciplines from design thinking to ux to industrial design to service design so we're really looking closely to that and so for design centers, for example, it's about finding their place in that design continuum, um, which will be easy. It's, uh, one design centers is, is one of the area where we find, um, the most designers, um, uh, today in, in, in the company. So
1: sounds like there is a lot to accomplish in the next few years, right? And let, let's have one more kind of. Futuristic question. So, um, not for design centers, but for the discipline of design thinking in general. What are the trends in design thinking and all the methodologies in that context? What's next?
2: First of all, I, I you know, one one thing that is remarkable with design thinking is is that from 2005, when I picked my first book, to today. I mean, all the principles remain actually valid. So it means that is a very, very solid foundation. Approaching problems with a user-centered uh, mindset um, uh, keep proving that it is very, very valid to do it like that. Now, also something we discovered by doing design thinking in a company like us on very large systems, very large problems, is that um, that is not always enough. So approaching every problem from the eyes of the end users or the human in the loop um, is, is a good approach, but probably you need to complement with other approach and with a wider wider angle. And that's why I think that we'll see more and more extension um, or complement practices, uh, system thinking, strategic for sighting, we, we we spoke about it, just to have the wider angle and be able to approach more systemic uh, kind of uh, activities um, uh, in 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 the process.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I think it would be definitely compelling to see how the entire field is going to advance in the next, you know, decade or so. Um, And that kind of leads it to already the end of this episode. But uh, Didier, um, before we finish, uh, I'd like to hear. Your answer to our signature question, um, which you know, kind of gives this big context, um, kind of a closing. Now, if if you look back on your career, Metalis um, so far, what would you say was your greatest
2: innovation rock star moment so far? I had two, actually. So one internal, one external. One internal in 2015, um, we, we won a Thales Innovation Awards, um, recognizing the accomplishment of creating, you know, the first five, I think at the time, design, uh, design centers. And you know, we started as a rogue, unofficial organization. So being recognized a few years later um, by OPs um, in, in innovation in the company was uh, um, like, like you call it, a rockstar moment. We we were very proud, uh, my team and I. Um, the other internally, uh, externally, sorry, uh, happened um, uh, last year. Um, we published an academic paper with a two business school um, about the introduction of design thinking in such a high-tech um, uh, company. And uh, we did that with Ashursey in, in France and Babson um, uh, College in, uh, in the U.S. And uh, this paper won an international um, innovation award. Um, and so that was my second, I would say, uh, uh, rockstar moment, more for the external world and, and, and the peers outside of Thales.
1: Beautiful. Congratulations to these innovation rockstar moments. I think they definitely make up for rockstar moments. Now, that's it uh, for this episode. Didier, thank you so much for being my guest in this episode. It was a real pleasure to listen to you and your thought leadership on those topics. Thanks much.
2: Thank you for having me. (laughs) Bye-bye, Christian.
1: And to everybody listening or watching, you know if design thinking is your thing, then leave us a comment on this episode or just drop us an email at info at innovation-rockstars. Thanks for listening and take care. Bye-bye. Innovation Rockstars
0: This was Innovation Rockstar Didier Boulet. Thales' first group chief design officer on how to successfully embed fresh thinking and creativity into the innovation process of a global corporation. If you want to dive deeper into the topic of design thinking, or if you'd simply like to give us feedback on this episode, just email us at info at innovationrockstars.show. For more exciting contributions from our podcast series, visit our website at www.innovationrockstars.show or browse the through our Innovation Rockstars channel on all major podcast platforms.